Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we have an American hasher who found hashing in Europe and has been there for a couple decades. She's hashed on many continents, lots of countries, and organized many events and travel hashes. Please welcome today, Yark Sucker. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Yark Sucker, tell us when and where and how you started hashing. I started hashing on the 2nd of August, 2002 in Brussels in the Schumann Circle. The first hasher I met was actually Higgins. He was the RA for the day. I still came back. So. Yeah. so how did you get to that hash? Who suggested or how did you find it? Well, it's quite funny because I was going to a rowing club here in Brussels. They told me that the hashers were crazy people, that I would have to take all my clothes off and, uh, and, and run through the city. So I decided, okay, I won't join the hash. And then it was a hasher called Crash Test Dummy who told me the BMPH3 Brussels Manic and Pest hashers were uh, very nice people and I should definitely come to the hash. So he brought me. What was your first impressions and how well did it take? Uh, I started laughing immediately in the circle at the, at the songs. I thought they were fabulous. I thought it was great that all of the people, all the slow runners and the fast runners can stay together. So yeah, I was a fan from the beginning. How about your hash name? How did that come about? Uh, it was another Higgins story, actually. Uh, he was planning a Blue Hawaii party where he sometimes offloads all of his uh, residual crazy alcohol from his cabinet. He uh, conned a local Harriet into hosting it, and she had nothing in her house. So she had no mixers. We took Higgins tequila, we emptied out all of her cupboards into a blender, blended it, and it turned brown. So it was named uh, Yark by another American, because apparently Yark in uh, America is colloquialism for or vomit. So, as you, yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I suck vomit. As you know, uh, when you played a drinking game, or as you do, we played a drinking game. Uh, when it was your turn, you had to decide how somebody in the circle was going to drink. I asked uh, the two hashers, the, the male hashers, to take off their shirts and lay on the ground. And I scooped out the yard with a ladle, ladle. I poured it into our belly buttons, and I sucked it out. One of the one of the my victims uh, was the RA, Rumple Foreskin. Uh, he eventually named me Yark Sucker. He loved it so much, the Yark Sucking. And then he eventually married me, so there you go. <laughs> Let's talk about that right away. Hashing marriage. Is hashing good for marriage? Is marriage good for hashing? And have you seen some crash and burns? Uh, yeah, well, uh, Rumpel and I both are very involved in the hash. Uh, we both like to contribute to the hash in different ways. And we're both very much partiers and runners and athletes. So we have a lot of common interests, but we really stay in our own lane. So when I organize something, he, he supports me. When he organizes something, like, for example, the, the Fest Hash in Stuttgart, I support him. For 20, Brussels 2014, I did most, a lot of pre-event planning with Higgins. And then on the, on the day, he was a venue manager uh, and, and managed the uh, tour and taxi during the event. So we have very different lanes when it comes to organization, uh, but at the same time, we always support each other. From the beginning, we had very similar interests and very similar mentalities. And the weird thing was is uh, we went half a world away to meet each other in Brussels, uh, and he was from Pennsylvania, and I was originally from West Virginia. Great. Let's talk about other events. We can talk about Brussels 2014, a big event. But other events and clubs that you have founded, clubs you have founded, and events you have organized. What's your, what gets you to do that? 
take that on? For the beginning, I guess when, in my first year of hashing, Lickham asked me to join the Drifter Tour. We were touring around the Balkans, sorry, the Baltics, and uh, I sort of got the bug from, from him. Uh, on that tour, there was the Wolf, as well as Higgins, and uh, they just sort of talked about organizing. I sort of got excited about it and started organizing Drifter Tours as well. I mean, with Lickham, I organized a, a tour, we organized a tour through uh, the, the Balkans and then through the Caucasus. Quite important for us. Speaking of marriage, one of the, my favorite events that I organized was in Liechtenstein. Unfortunately, and, and, uh, we lost the WIF in 2010. And the last thing he said to me was, Yark, you, you must plan, you, you must plan the small country tour. So, uh, so he wanted me to plan a tour of all the smallest countries in Europe. And there were six, uh, very small countries. So in 2011, we kicked off the tour with our wedding hash in Liechtenstein. And there was 90 hashers in a hotel on the mountains. Azukashi was there. He laid a three-country trail through Liechtenstein, Switzerland, and Austria. And then after the ha- after the wedding, we took six, 26 hashers on our honeymoon, and we explored the other five small countries of Europe. It ended up that my, my wedding bouquet was the hashet. So every day, a different person carried the hashet. It became more brown and brown and brown as the uh, weeks went on, and uh, finally by the end, and Malta, we threw the bouquet into the ocean and sent it out to sea. That was kind of fun. In general, for these tours, I, one of the things I decided was we have to make a, a tour booklet, and we have something called the loser section. So on Drifter, it's a low-maintenance hash. You have to be able to go on any type of public transport, carry your own bags, organize something. It's really for low-maintenance hashers. And so we decided to make a book, and then beginning of the book, we have the itinerary, and at the end of the book, we have a something called the loser section. In the loser section, you find out what happens if you miss the train or you miss the plane. Uh, sorry, at the least, you may have to buy a train ticket, but at most, you may have to buy a plane ticket, stay another night in the hotel, miss the hash. But in the loser section, it sort of defines it for you. So the organizers can have a peace of mind. As well as the uh, and the people know what to do if they if they miss the train. So no one waits for anybody. Everybody is there when they're supposed to be. So this worked out really well for the Drifter tour. I was going to say on an event like that, how many losers end up occurring? Well, I mean nobody wants to be the first loser. No one no one has actually uh, used the loser section yet. We had we had no losers. That was funny. that's pretty good. So I think if you if you put something at the end of the booklet that says this is what you do if all goes wrong, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be called the first loser. So, uh, two tours since then, and nobody's used the loser section. Oh. It's been close, but no one's actually used it. <laughs> so, the thing was, is if any of the uh, people, the 26 people on our wedding hash get married, I always ask them, so where are we going on your honeymoon? <laughs> and right. no one's actually took us anywhere with them, so I'm still trying. <laughs> Nice. Let's talk about the what you mentioned about having separate lanes. What about all female or all female lead hashes? What's your experience there? There is a hash called Diva, and it's it's mainly organized with women. Uh, most of the women are very smart, strong, and organized periods. Uh, here in Europe, we have a lot of those. And uh, Diva was founded in 2004 in Harlem. In the Netherlands. Sex Ed is who's from Harlem, and I laid a trail through the hail and the storms uh, for our first event. It was in November. But then some of the Dutch Harriets afterwards organized a very posh party where we all got up into our evening gowns and our heels and, and our sparkles. So with Diva, it's always a bit of a, a trail and then a bit of a, a bit, bit of a sparkle, a bit of a, a nice uh, evening gala. How do non-women fit into Diva events? 
Oh, okay. So, uh, so basically on the weekend, the toy boys and sugar daddies, or maybe even divas, they, they lay trail. They do that. Usually we do some tastings. And then the toy boys and sugar daddies are basically schlep around the coolers. They kind of like it. They can just enjoy the weekend without worrying about organizing anything. They can just do a little manual labor, drink beer, enjoy the hot divas in their heels and sparkle and evening gowns. Uh, you know, being a toy boy is not for everyone, but um, those who embrace it, you know, have a good time. However, there was one time one of our organizers had to back out. She was our main Spanish speaker. We were going to Cava in, near Barcelona. Uh, but one of our toy boys actually stepped up. I guess you, you might know Hemorrhoid uh, from Mexico City, who's now living in Boulder. Uh, he's also the chairman of Interam 2007. He became our liaison with the hotel and the bus company. So he stepped up. So it's not only women. Uh, we're open to men. It's equal opportunity. In general, it's, it's the women who do most of the organization. And the, the person who had the first idea for the bubbly weekends, Baggy Snatch and her toy boy, Half Monty. I guess in, in Europe, uh, the men are a bit more um, a bit more liberated, and they, they enjoy hanging out when the women organize everything. So, yeah, I think it's, good. it's a good thing. Uh, we do it every second year normally. We also have done a bus tour after 20, Brussels 2014, where we went through Luxembourg, the Alsace, Champagne, and then we ended up in Versailles in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Who are some of the usual suspects that are almost always on a diva trip? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, Baggy Snatch, she was a mastermind from the Bubbly Weekends. Sex Ed and I and a couple other Harriets from the Netherlands uh, started the diva, but they really have fallen off. Uh, we have Groin Biter. She was sort of our a bus tour guide, as you as, as you will. She's sort of our sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, Easy Over, also a big organizer. Uh, she also was key in organizing Intram 2007. Uh, we have Boo Boo, who's organized many things in Switzerland over the years. Well, Pink Panther, she's helped on the Prosecco weekend as well as the bus tour through, through France. And she's from Brussels as well. All right, let's talk about your hash travel. What's a perfect size for you and what are some memorable events? or unforgettable times at bigger events? Well, we organized Brussels 2014, of course, which I find was the, was the right size. You know, we were a bit gutted that we didn't win the, uh, the interhash, but at the same time, we were allowed to have a hash-politic-free zone, 2,500, 2,700, depending on the figures you look at. And I found that was a really, really nice size hash for an international hash. Uh, we had 25 runs, a few bus troubles, but other than that... Anything bigger than that really isn't as much fun. I find that with that many people, you also meet all the people you want to see and say hello and have a chat. A very short chat. <laughs> but if you want to have a local sort of a Eurohash or Interam, I find more like 500 might be a good idea. Let's say for a hash weekend, a Nash hash, I, I prefer 100 because that's the size you can manage in a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but for an intimate event like Diva, we like to have 60. So on that weekend, you can really talk to everybody. Cool. What are some behind-the-scenes, almost almost fall-off-a-cliff panic moments that you can share that people might not know that happens with organizing events? Off-the-cliff. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So with Diva, for example, the, the biggest challenge is to make sure people make it through the day drinking bubbly. Because mm. bubbly can knock most people out in one hour or two hours. I managed to convince the divas that possibly a, a drinking sparkling water, so it's also bubbly, bubbly water, is similar to drinking 
champagne bubbly or alcoholic bubbly. Uh, I convinced them drinking bubbly water is also good. And with drinking both types of bubbly, you will see the end of the evening. So uh, that's really, really where the, the, the phrase drink more water came from was, was the diva hash and making sure people, you know, gave, gave themselves a break. Because in the first diva weekend, we had people vomiting their food. We had people fucking <laughs> hot. <laughs> Well, and I think that's what divas do. They vomit in their food. Well, if they drink more water, they actually make it through the day. <laughs> Where else off continent have you hashed? I've hashed, uh, well, I've hashed all over the world. Actually, in your on your website, uh, if you could talk about the where have you hashed, I've been been in uh, seventy four countries. Wow. Uh, one of my favorite hashes uh, was the was Pan Africa in Cape Town. Uh, that was in uh, 2005. So many of us, uh, the European hashers, got together. We got on the loser bus. Loser bus. N- nothing to do with the drifter loser loser section, but we, we all got on this bus and we followed uh, this big white African guy, uh, Tinkerbell, to the nuclear power plant run, where we mostly just hang out on the beach and had some beers. Uh, the next day, we went to a national park. Uh, it was started raining, and and the the pair was actually the husband of the main organizer. So we we con we conned him into going to his garage, and we had a circle in the garage. Cosmo threw a whiny hasher into the closet. We yark sucked Irish whiskey from the from the owner of the house. <laughs> we wrapped people in duct tape. I'm sorry, we hashers drink Harriets that were upside down with with beer cans in their in their cleavage. We did all kinds of crazy things. And in fact, I met a Cape Town hasher about. Uh, two years ago, and he said, we still talk about that. <laughs> nice. Kind of the crazy thing was, is uh, the future chair of Interhash 2016 was in the circle, but no one knew, I didn't know who she was, none of us knew who she was, uh, because, you know, I guess we don't pay attention. And uh, later on, she, I apologized to her, I said, listen, I, I should, we should have recognized you in the circle today. She goes, listen, no worries. It was, it was a refreshing break. Uh, and who and was that? Amelda, the, uh, the the chairman from Interhash. 2006. Yeah, she, was, she was super chill and super calm. And she just calmly said, no worries. It was a refreshing break. <laughs> I think uh, on the hash, you know, some of the people I met, like Imelda and like uh, the Wolf, uh, the way they, they react to people and the way they uh, treat people, uh, we've all learned a bit from them. Like Imelda was very calm. Uh, the Wolf was very much in control and uh, he could get anybody to do anything he wanted wearing a hash t-shirt and a pair of shorts that were falling apart. So it was, it was quite interesting. <laughs> 74 countries is a lot. Are there places you say, I definitely want to get to yet, or you would like to see big events reach? We're all in for t- Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> mm-hmm. We plan a drifter tour as well around the islands. Uh, we've decided, uh, you know, Drain Oil has been joining us for the drifter tours recently. If we do it next year and... Uh, if he's there, we will have his 87th birthday on our drifter hash. He's sort of a, also a big influence on me uh, when he, he's very uh, self-sufficient. He carries all his own stuff, but he knows when to take a break. He knows what his limits are. And we find, I find that very, very good for me growing older and going, and, and going forward. He's, uh, he also, everywhere he goes, he, he gets postcards for his grandchildren. So we always know where the post office is because we follow, we follow. Uh, joining oil to the uh, to the post office, so we can also get stamps and postcards and things like that. <laughs> so yeah, he's quite a hash treasure. Is he the only person still left that's done every inner hash, or are there others? Filthy Phil, if he makes it to Trinidad, will 
still be there with drain oil at all. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I love drain oil. He's a hash treasure. I like to go visit Mabush and uh, Weenie Schnitzel in Brazil at some point. I've not yet actually hashed on the South American continent. I've been there, but I haven't hashed there. Also, Antarctica. Someday might be cool to go there and hash. <laughs> uh, Canada, I've not been to, to hash. I have an office in Montreal, so eventually I'll make it there. How many is a minimum for a diva event? If you go see Mabouche, will you guys have a diva trail? Uh, so we might just have a drifter, a drifter event. We have uh, Double Dutch Mountain and Van the Cock, who are down in Paraguay, uh, as well as Mini Schnitzel. And we could probably con a few more people to come down there if we have a three-country tour around the Guazu Falls. That's kind of something we're thinking of doing. We've been a home hash pretty much one place for a couple decades. Has the hash changed there? Uh, yeah, um, well, I also, because my, my company restructures quite a bit, I've not I've been here the whole time. I, I went to Copenhagen for two years and Stuttgart for two years. Huh. In Brussels especially, it's a transient city, so people come and go. And with different people, the hash is different. Uh, so when I first started, we had a big group of people who were very enthusiastic, and we had a certain way of doing things. Yeah, things changed. I think things have changed four times in Brussels since I've been here. You just have to roll with it, basically. And understand that, you know, I think a lot of people, the first time it changes for them, uh, really it's very difficult because if the hash is their tribe and they feel very passionate about it, when the when it all changes, it, it kind of really upsets them and, and makes them lose their center a little bit. But eventually, I think they realize that the hash is a, it's a, it's a fluid thing, you know, and you have to, to roll with it. To roll with the waves and the changes. And the first time the Brussels hash changed, it bothered me a lot. But the second time, I uh, I was cool. When you say the hash changed, what's the nature of the change? Uh, it might be the, the nationalities of the people who are in Brussels. For example, if there's more British, it becomes more of a British hash. If it's more, we rarely have Americans, but if there are more Americans, uh, we have some more American traditions. Uh, we have a lot of Germans sometimes. Uh, we had a German GM for a while. It changes based on nationalities, based on mm-hmm. uh, also people having children. So, uh, for a while in Brussels, uh, there were a lot of kids, and it became a little more tame. The, the hashers who were there, who were organizing, who were coming every week, those are the hashers who, who should decide what the hash is and what the hash does. Yeah, after 20 years, I can kind of see that. So. Yeah, and so your approach is flexible and deal with things as they go, but we can have preferences. Are there things that are essential to you or hashing, and are there things that you could see certain hashes you'd be happy if they did without? Well, you know, here in Brussels, we have we have the trail, of course, which is very important, but it's also very important to have the songs, to have a very inclusive circle. Of course, in Brussels, it's very important to have good Belgian beer. So those are very important things. But the thing about, about singing is the first time a hasher comes into the circle and, uh, and they start singing, you can kind of tell by the look of their face if they're coming back or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah that's, a good, that's a good indicator, yeah. Yeah, exactly. First micro-expression during a hash song. Yeah, exactly. Then you know they're coming back. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's great because uh, in Brussels, everyone knows the songs. If It keeps the crowd interested. You know, It always keeps someone interested if they're participating. And that's why I think also people giving nominations, Everybody having a say in the circle, and, the, and then RA just, you know, kind of acting as a bit of an MC, making sure everybody gets a say. Everyone has, everyone's singing songs. That makes for me the most, the most fun circle. So songs, circle, uh, those are important. And and here in Belgium, if you go to our website, you'll see the uh, the Belgian beer guide that we made for 2014 at uh, Care of Carrier Magazine. 
Um, it's still on our website, so if you just click on Where Next and Hair and Beer, you will find our a booklet which will tell you all about Belgian, all about Belgian beer, which we wrote during the 2014 Beer Odyssey. Uh, but the thing I think also is important is that with Hashers, I find it a safe place. There's no violence. People are in general polite. They try to they pitch in. They clean up after themselves. They, they don't. And the most important thing I think is not to take yourself too seriously. Always be able to take a joke. But then again, if you're the one giving the joke, make sure it's not personal. Those are kind of my, my thoughts on hashing. Are there any that you'll say, you know, I'd be happier if, if these things were less emphasized or less a part of hashing that you found other places? Well, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I grew up in America, but I always find some of the, the craziness, the American hashers thinking that the hash is their nudist colony is a bit weird. <laughs> I don't sing all the words in the hash song because uh, some of them are a little too vulgar for me. As, as long as people are are polite and inclusive and uh, and friendly, I, I'm really okay with anything. I like new experiences. <laughs> so. yeah. well, what's your participation level at being mismanagement and running circles? Would you rather be in the center or would you rather be on the side or in the back? In 2004, Higgins convinced me uh, and another tall, blonde, Harriet, to become RAs. Well, we were very new to it. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so at one point, we just decided to, if people were being loud in the circle, we would bring duct tape and tape them up. Um, so <laughs> nice. And then we, we learned that uh, it was better to start including people in the circle because uh, when everyone, neither of us were really stand-up comedians. Neither of us were really... Uh, yeah, the person who is going to be in the center of the circle. But we were kind of all we all Higgins had, so we decided, okay, let's start to bring people into the circle to to snitch on their friends. And it kind of worked out uh, really well for us. I went to Puerto Vallarta in 2017, and my, my friend Cal Fluffer, I was San Luis Obispo, asked me to be her RA uh, because her RA was very new. So I was on crutches with a broken leg, and I almost didn't come to the event. But on the, on the bus, I engaged all the RAs and the GMs and asked them to, to, stitch, to stitch up their friends, especially people from their own kennel. Uh, but most of them gave me a very puzzled look because uh, they thought the, the RA would, or the GM would run the circle and not let anyone to say anything. So I said, yeah, I mean, come on, get some down-downs and, and, and contribute to the circle. And then once one person contributed, the other guy goes, oh, I have, I have down-downs. And so it was quite a rocking circle because there were about five guys that came in and gave three or four down-downs to people from their own kennel. That was really great because then everyone was involved. And, uh, we had a lot of good hash songs. It was a really fun circle. So, as I said, I almost didn't go to Puerto Vallarta. I guess I had a broken leg, but I'm really glad I did. It was, it was a really nice event. Uh, who, who was your partner there when you started in Brussels? You said there were two of you. Sex Ed. Yeah, Sex Ed, she's a Dutch lady. Um, she's currently in uh, Canberra, Australia, but she'll be back in Brussels soon. Yeah, she was uh, married to, to Muscles from Brussels. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we lost him this year, but um, especially back in Brussels soon. But yeah, she's the other one. Have you run into any memorable events which were white powder scares or run-ins with the police that were close calls? I laid a trail through the Eddie Merckx metro station here, and I don't know. Well, I didn't know who Eddie Merckx was when I first came to Belgium, but he's a famous cyclist. Uh, yeah, Belgian cyclist. Yeah, I guess 2019. They had his 50 years since his first win of the Tour de France. So it's all started here in Brussels. It's pretty cool. But anyway, a few years ago, I decided I would I would set a trail to the Eddie Merckx Metro Station where they have his bike from 1970, uh, where he set the record for the most kilometers in one hour. 
I think it was 55 kilometers in one hour. And his bike is actually there, and no one's stolen it, which in Brussels is amazing. So but I laid some flour past the bike, and the next thing I laid the trail, and the next thing I knew, I came back, and they're closing the metro station down. So I go down, and I say, this is right after all the anthrax scares. I think it was 2005 or something, four or five. And I asked, asked the police, I said, well, what are you guys doing? We're closing the metro. I said, I said um, because of some white powder. I said, well, is it this? And I licked the, the flower, and uh, he said, oh. I said, I laid the flower. And so I, made, I gave a statement. And, you know, in Brussels, everything's okay. You know, I gave a statement. I told them what it was, and they opened the metro, and everything was fine. Hazmat guys were on their way, and if they would have arrived, we would have had to pay something, but they didn't actually arrive. So that was the end of that. That's really the only time I've faced anything with the anthrax scare. But I think everybody in that time, the, the alerts were heightened uh, around the world. And that didn't actually even disrupt the trail then? Everything. No, no. In Belgium, it's quite, you know, they, they don't want to deal with paperwork, you know. So. Yeah. So how's the red dress trails received there? Actually, our second fever run was, uh, was, a, was a red dress trail. We ran it through Amsterdam. The person who asked us to, to lay the trail was an American guy, and he said, oh, go to the red light district. So sex ed, she went to the police, because she's Dutch, and she went to the police and said, uh, can we run through the red light district with, this is, this is what we want to do. And he goes, no, the red light district is for business, and you will you will not run through there. But I, I can suggest you this route. He suggested the route through Bondle Park, and then we came back, and we had a really uh, rock and hash event at Coco's in Amsterdam. Yeah, and Cosmo wore a pink negligee, which I wish I could forget. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, that was fine because we had actually contacted the police. In Belgium and in Brussels on a weekly hash, if you contact the police, you, you have not only the, the Brussels police, you have the Flanders police, you have the Wallonne police, you have each of the police districts of the 19 communes. So it's very difficult to get agreement between all the communes. For the Brussels 2014 Red Just Run, we went to the, the Belgian, the Brussels police, and we had to start on the, on the right side of the Saint-Contenaire arches. As if we were not in Brussels, we would have to also consult the, the police from Eterbeek. So basically, we had to start on one side of the arches and stay within Brussels. Uh, and the Brussels police told us the route that we should take. Unfortunately, about, I guess about six months beforehand, there was a zombie run, which they were completely crazy and running everywhere. So that's why we had to start in small groups. That was a non-hash event, right? Zombie, yeah, it was a non-hash event. We were actually more well-behaved than the non-hashers. So, <laughs> you know, the thing about Brussels is when I went with Higgins, I went with Higgins a few times. Um, 2006, he decided this is when I'm going to start to, to do my research for 2014 seriously. And we went to a few event organizers, and then we went to the town hall. Four of us went to the town hall, and it was amazing. Higgins sat there, and he told me exactly what we wanted to do. Didn't even blink an eye. Okay, okay. Hmm. Good. Uh, I thought, wow, this is this is the land of surrealism because most police departments or most town halls would have questions about what we're doing. <laughs> all the drinking of the beer, all the, the trails all over the place, the the, the big party. Uh, but Brussels embraces it. Uh, in the end, the only thing was is they asked when will the event be, and since so this was in 2006, Higgins kind of told a little white lie and said, okay, it'll be in 2010 or 2012. <laughs> mm-hmm. Belgium is a big supporter of hashers. Hashes. Uh, I say as well, um, uh, if you go to Germany or to, to Denmark, they also have big supporters of the hash. Germans and, and Danes always take the hash very well. Maybe not so if you, so if you go to, to France, 
to France or, or Italy or these kind of countries, they, they don't really take as well to the hash. I don't know what it is. But one of the things in Stuttgart, for example, when I was living there, if you lay a trail, you just say, hey, um, I said, what are you doing? Ah, Schnitzenjagd, which means paper hunt. If you tell them that, they go, oh, I played this as a child. Are, the, are you laying a trail for the children? And then you say, no, no, uh, it's for the adults. And then afterwards we have a beer. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a great concept. So, <laughs> you know, in Stuttgart, people are very serious. But when you say Schnitzenjagd, their, their eyes light up. What is the most exotic or bizarre or where this is a strange place for the hash to show up? <laughs> I, I don't know if... It's exactly fits your question, but when we, we went to Pan Asia in 2017 in Sokcho, Korea, it was on the other side of Korea, so it's on the other side of Korea from Seoul, mm-hmm. and some of the trails included going to the, the DM, DMZ and peering into North Korea on the Red Restaurant afterwards. They organized seats at a K-pop concert. That was very interesting. But I've never seen anything more organized. But when, when you're waiting for the buses, they had a huge field, and everybody would sit in a, in a queue, you know, to wait for the buses. And when your bus came, they called, and everyone walked in orderly queue to the bus. I've never seen anything organized so well. <laughs> that, was, that was surreal. Yeah. But the thing, in 2017, the, the craft beer scene really came, really exploded in, in Korea. There were tons of, uh, there were lots of different new pubs popping up with different types of craft beer, local craft beers from Korea. Uh, that was very cool. We, uh, we ended up going there because if you ever watch a Korean show, you have female MC and a, a male MC. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had many male MCs volunteering, but they didn't have any females. So he, at Eurohashi, Hardy Boy approached me and said, hey, can you be our female MC? And I showed up in my dirndl, uh, my hash dirndl, actually. And then there was a, a TV, a TV uh, newscaster standing next to me who's wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> he gave me a script and told me what to say. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Everyone in the crowd who knew me laughed because they knew it wasn't my words. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, so the whole weekend I helped out with that. As I said, it was very much organized like clockwork. I guess the other one that was, you can't really say, you really have to mention is Barbara Doran 2012. For me, that was had the most beautiful venues and the most wonderful food. Uh, and you know, King Kong really stepped up and uh, put out a good event. So that was really good. Yeah. Were you on the run where the president came? Um, no, I was like the day before. Yeah. I was here, I was the I was with Euron and I were RAing the the trail in the same place, so we saw the end of it. We came in when they left, uh, but uh-huh. now I I couldn't make up that story. <laughs> that was a long day. Yeah. How about one more unique or special event that you do? That's fun. We do ski week every year in Vienna. I've uh, been skiing with Sparib. You know Sparib. Crappy British guy. <laughs> he's really got a heart of gold. He, he loves his friends, but he will totally pay for your house. So beware if you invite him, if you invite him over. But we normally uh, would do Vienna Ski Week together, and we'd send him down the hill in advance. And so we'd make sure there's nothing dangerous. So we called him the cannon fodder. And one of his one of the phrases he always says is, "Ah, oh, this might end in tears." That's sort of the mantra that Sparrow lives by. So, uh, unfortunately, they've Vienna won't be organizing the ski week anymore. Sarah and myself and the daughters of the former organizer, King Ralph, will be starting to to organize the ski week again. So yeah, more kind of, kind of fodder to come. <laughs> yeah, so that ski week was right at the, right before the pandemic really kicked in and closed borders. 
Yeah, exactly. So most people who were on that ski week, I wasn't there. I went to the Paris weekend instead. They were all, they, they all got infected. So we had about, I would say, six people here in Brussels who were infected by the, by the COVID that weekend. Yeah, my last event was Paris. You know, now it's what, 15 months later. We're hoping to have the Diva Hash in uh, Slovenia this year, but uh, we're still investigating. Are you going to Prague? Uh, yes, that's the plan. We, we are very hopeful that all the borders will be open. We, I've been vaccinated almost a week, weeks ago. It's my second shot of the, of the Pfizer. For a moment, picture your life without hashing. What, what do you think hashing has meant to you in terms of friendship, trial, anything? 20 years on, uh, I'm sort of, all my friends are hashers. <laughs> my husband's a hasher. I don't know. So for me, uh, hashing is kind of a bit about travel because you can go anywhere in the world and have friends. Actually, my first weekend away alone was in Moscow. And I went there and, and the guy told me, Hey, you know, uh, meet, meet us here at this pub at seven o'clock on Saturday night. So I was there at seven o'clock on Saturday night. I said, we're going to a party. Cool. Um, and it was two hours south and I was there for work and my work was four hours south. So I thought, okay, it's on the way to work. I, I was there at seven o'clock and no bus. So I called them and they said, Oh, we met Friday at seven o'clock. Oh. oh yeah, that probably makes sense. <laughs> so they, they gave me some directions. They said, take this metro to the end of the line, hire a car, any car. Pay him 60 US dollars and he will take you to Kaluga. So I got there, walked in, they were having this circle in the sauna complex and I uh, walked right in and did my down down. That's just one example of places you would never see unless you're with a hash. And for me, that's, yeah. I think that's the most important thing about hashing. It's just, is to open your eyes and see places you would never think of seeing and have people introduce them, introduce you to them. That's what the hashing is. Cool. In, in 2004, one of my oldest friends, called me and said, hey, I'm coming to Europe for the summer. Uh, what are you doing? So I gave her a list. And she said, uh, one of the things on the bus, on the, on the list, sorry, on the list was a beer tasting bus tour through Czech Republic. Then I had to explain to her, this is called the bus tour from hell. It, it was a Hash House Harrier event. I sent her the history website and uh, hope for the best. <laughs> so uh, I'd only been hashing for two years and she was living in California. So I didn't have a chance to tell her about the hash and my new tribe and uh, so she checked out the website, and she decided she would come. She was learning songs. She gave Higgins money, and she joined the tour. So, but on the tour, she went to a sex shop, stuck her hand up an inflatable cow, and she pushed the button, and it moved. So we named her Cow Fluffer. The cow is silent, apparently. But she's been hashing ever since. And, in fact, she extended her time on the bus because she was enjoying herself so much. So it just shows you how people take to the hash quite easily. <laughs> So speaking of songs, whilst I was living in Copenhagen, I taught many of the songs from Belt, from Brussels to our Danish hashers. And so at away events, especially in Scandinavia, we kind of were known as the uh, Copenhagen Choir. So in general, at big events in Europe, those of us who really know the songs stand in the corner of a circle, if there is that, such a thing, and uh, and we choose a song and we all sing. And one year, Danish Nash Hash, Klapso, uh, the RA from Copenhagen presented me with a challenge. He said, okay, for this two-hour circle, you have to sing a relevant hash song for every offense, and you can never repeat. And somehow I managed it, so that was pretty nice. cool. Wow. Speaking of hash marriage, so <laughs> my, my husband, actually, the time when Higgins asked me to be RA, the RA before me was my boyfriend at the time, Rumpel Foreskin. He was very well-known for messing with people on their birthday, putting cakes on their heads and everything. And so as I told you, Sexad and I start, started to uh, duct tape people. 
but we also worked for people in ice. One day the ice was not completely completely frozen, it was only partially frozen. So when he sat on it, it broke <laughs> and it cut a nice Y shape in his in his bum. <laughs> so Y for Yark, I officially branded my name on my boyfriend's bus. Yeah, an ice injury. Wow. Have you ever have you ever been hurt put in a hospital or close calls on a trail? No, in fact the only time I've I've really had problems is when I'm sober. I broke my leg when I was sober. Break my collarbone when I was sober. <laughs> yeah. But no, never, uh, never any uh, any injuries uh, on trail. Is the RA always right? Yes, she is. <laughs> Nothing more to be said. I want to thank Yark Sucker for coming on the podcast today. This is the On On Podcast. Hash your voices, hash your stories, hash your history. New episodes every week. Until next time, On On, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me Oh